Welcome to the Unmothered Podcast. Join me as we explore all the feelings and confusion surrounding the mother-daughter bond. Laugh with me, cry with me, and learn new ways to cope with what can be a very lonely existence without a mother to rely on. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, peeps. Today, we are going to be talking about secrets to a happy marriage or building a strong foundation. There may be some of you watching that are thinking about getting married or you're engaged right now. So um, I am going to talk about marriage today because I think I can after so many years and so many mistakes and so many flaws and being someone who did get married in her 20s and got a divorce. Anyway, we're going to dig all through that. And I just wanted to say really quickly, I did mention to my husband, my sweet husband, Mike, it's dangerous living with me because if I get an idea from something we've talked about or I don't know, any kind of subject that comes up, I'm like, Ooh, that would be a good podcast episode. And he's like, Oh, geez. (laughs) But he's such a good sport. So I wanted to do a disclaimer to let you know, I told him, Mike, I'm going to do an episode on marriage. And he goes, oh, wow. And I said, but I just want you to know, I won't say anything, you know, that's, that's ultra private. Of course, we're going to, we have boundaries and I want, I want to do this with respect. I'm also going to be sharing a couple of things of what I did wrong in my first marriage. And so also want to show respect to my first husband, Danny, no disrespect. And I want Anybody that knows him, if you're listening, or I don't know, even know if he listens, um, we are friends when we see each other. So uh, just want to do it with respect and and let people know this is not a bashing <laughs> of first husband. So I want to actually dive into the things that failed in that first marriage. And yes, I was a part of that. And now I realize some of the mistakes that I made. So what is the secret to a happy marriage? Well, I think it's staying the course. (laughs) We're going to dive into the good, bad, ugly of what marriage really is and why it's not for the faint of heart. I think it's really funny when I see young kids with stars in their eyes of like, oh, marriage, it's going to be amazing. And they're right. It is going to be amazing on some levels, but I think we go into it with the wrong ideals. And when, when we're young and fresh skinned and have hair, hello, honey, (laughs) and have ideals that are never, they're never quite the same after 10 years, what do you do with that? And do you believe the vows that you take for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health? Are you sure? And do you build your house on a firm foundation or do you just wing it? And how do kids sometimes get in the way of your marriage? It's called date night for a reason. Take care and nurture your marriage first. So those are some of the topics that I'm going to dive into and and just kind of break those all down. So the marriage vows. When I got married the first time, I can honestly say I didn't even think about those vows. To be completely honest, 
the reason I got married was because I felt like I needed someone to prove that they loved me completely, like all the way, like marriage. It's the final, final, right? If you really love me. I actually tried to back out because I knew in my heart of hearts, always listen to your gut, your Holy Spirit. And I knew in my gut, like something's not right. But I was coming off of a broken engagement just a few years before, and and uh, I was heartbroken. And so when I look back at that little Phyllis <laughs> and I think about how messed up I was and not taking the time to really honor my feelings, find my voice, I kind of just followed along with somebody who fell in love with me. I thought I was in love with him and then realized, I think I really like him. I think I love him on a level, but do I love him forever? Those vows mean so much. I think I've told this story before. I walked down the aisle just with this like dread because I I knew I don't think this is a forever thing, but I didn't have a mom around, so I didn't know like what do I, how do I just say, you know what, I th- I think I need to back off a little bit. I think maybe we need to date longer to see if um, you're really the one. I just am not sure you're really the one. It's so funny as I, as I talk about this right now, I have a picture in my office of my daughter Ariel with Mike w- walking down the aisle at her wedding and I have her wedding invitation and I have a picture of her and Dominique with her wedding dress and And I just think about how beautiful that day was for her because she really took the time. She dated Julius for six years and she took the time to really get to know him before she married him. And and, uh, they're going up on seven years being married just this past March. And I just am so proud of my girls for being smart in that area. And I just remember me at 26 years old being so naive to those vows, those vows, you don't think about them at the time you go, yeah, I'll take care of you, rich or poor, sickness and health, you know, till death do us part, all those things. But are you really sure that you would? So in the first marriage, we had different ideas of how we wanted to live our life. I wanted somebody ambitious that would keep going and and become, you know, bigger and better so that we could just like live a full life, be really comfortable. He was comfortable where he was. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that wasn't where I I wanted to be, and I think we didn't really have conversations about that. Also, I was not ready for a mature relationship, so I will say for me, I I didn't know I think I didn't know what a relationship really should look like or could look like. And I probably didn't have the faith in a forever kind of love at that moment in my life. And so when I say I'm talking about my first marriage, like I have to take ownership in that. Like this was not all his fault. There were some things that he definitely um, didn't bring to the table that made me very sad. But on the flip side of that, I can't say anything uber mean about my first husband because he was a nice person. He's a nice guy. I just think together we didn't match and we didn't take the time. We dove headfirst into getting together. We ended up living together, you know, just everything was full force and 
There was no pause. There was no break to say, hold on, this is going way too fast. We don't even know. We haven't had those hard conversations. So I think that's the point of those vows. Would you help someone if they are sick? Would you? Are you going to be there in sickness and health? Will you be there for richer or poorer? Or are you saying, well, I mean, sure, I would be, but do I want to be? (laughs) I don't really want to live poorly for the rest of my life, but I do want to be happy with this person wherever that lands us. So not really just talking about money, but just, you know, for richer or poorer is could be in spirit. And so do you feel richer or poorer in spirit? Like, are you guys building that firm foundation to be, to have your morals be the same, to have things that feel good together, that you're growing together? Is that something that you think about or talk about before you walk down the aisle? Um, one thing I will say with our marriage now, like being married 30 something, I, I hate to even say this. It's like, it just seems like yesterday we got married and then we look at old pictures and I'm like, wow, Mike, you had hair. <laughs> okay. He's going to get really mad. I said that, but <laughs> it's true. He's still cute. And so, you know, it's like, we look at those little kids and we're just like, oh my gosh, but we dated for four years and we talked about everything. And then there were still things after we got married that we hadn't talked about, like faith. So we knew moralistically we were on the same page. But when I became a Christian at 35, he wasn't about it. He was like, "Mm, that's great, honey, but that's not for me. And so I went to church for three and a half years with my girl. Well, I was pregnant with Dom when I found my faith and then had Dom. I would walk to, you know, drive to church, walk in with these two little girls. Everyone thought I was a single mom. It wasn't that. It was just that, you know, he wasn't ready to come. That's a perfect vow for richer or poor in spirit, right? In faith. So I'm rich in spirit. He's poor in spirit. Like it wasn't really adding up, but everything else about us was fine. Like we were fine. And so there's a faith base that you have to have and a trust to say, do I trust God to take care of this matter? Because if he wants to bond our family together, he's going to find a way. I don't need to find the way. And so that happened where it was just like, it's okay if you don't want to come. Now, was there hurt feelings? Absolutely. Was I angry? Sure. There were times I was pissed at him because I w- he would say, are you going to church today? And I wanted to just scream at him and go, yeah, of course I'm going to church today. But I would be like, yes, so, through gritted teeth. Yes, we're going to church today. I do that every Sunday. And he's like, oh, okay. And then after a while, he's like, well, can I come with you? And and I'm like, sure, you can come with us. And so, you know, it was this slow build, but it had to come from God. It couldn't come from me because me nagging him is not being rich in spirit, right? It's not anything that's going to make him find his faith. He has to do that on his own. So that was a test in our marriage that People don't talk about that if you are, uh, if somebody is faith-based and someone isn't, you know, how do you manage that? And are you going to respect that when you have children? Maybe I've had friends that are two different faith-based, one's um, Jewish and one's Catholic. And then they have this battle of like, what do we celebrate and when? And then they try to form those together. And sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. I've seen it end in divorce. It's gotten ugly. It's Those kind of things are very, very difficult conversations and ones that you need to have before you walk down the aisle. Because if you think it's just going to all work itself out, 
you are sadly mistaken. It won't. It will rear its ugly head. It will cause division, which is exactly what the enemy wants to do is break up families. So the worst thing you can do is jump into a marriage knowing it's not going to be right because Satan is sitting back going, I don't even need to work at this because this is a disaster and it's going to happen and, you know, let it fly. And so I believe that a good marriage starts with super good, honest conversations and also knowing that there are things that you will never know. You can have all the conversations in the world, but you have to have a faith and a firm foundation to know there will be things that will come down the years through your marriage that will absolutely change how the marriage was from the beginning. And do you ride with it or does it fall apart? So I'll give you two examples. One was when Mike got diagnosed with diabetes, it was extremely hard on our marriage, sickness and in health. People say those words, do you mean it? When someone gets sick that you love, do you mean it? Are you going to stay with them or are you going to walk away because it's too hard? We went through five years before we could get on this even keel. We had to change the way we ate. Mentally, he had to work it out in his mind. I mean, the struggle of that disease when people don't take it seriously, I know a lot of people that have diabetes and they go, oh, I just take a pill and it's, no, you're taking pills, but you also have to do all these other things to keep yourself healthy or that pill doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're taking that pill. If you're still eating junk food, you will end up, you're going to, your lifespan is going to be shorter. That's just bottom line. Your numbers will not be good. You're going to start getting aches and pains. You're going to, you know, your feet are going to start giving out on you. We have gone through a whole course of stuff in the last five years through this, and it changes yearly. We have had to adjust and readjust and adjust again. And it has been frustrating on both ends, but more so it has been painful for me to watch my husband go through this. Sorry. It was um, such a journey to sit with him and know that we're going to be okay, but this right here sucks. Like, no one tells you when you're 27 years old, 30 years old, whatever year you're getting married, that 30 years later or 25 years later, you may have to take care of somebody. I have friends that their spouses got in horrible accidents and then they couldn't function in the same way. And it changes the dynamics in your marriage. Can you hold on to that? Where is your foundation in that? You cannot just say those words and think that your marriage is going to work itself out. I always laugh, you know, because people go, oh, marriage shouldn't be hard work. It should just be easy. And I'm like, the love is easy. The marriage should be work because here's the thing. You're not the same person you were at 25 years old if you got married at 25 or 30 that you are at 60. And if you are, there's something wrong. You should be changing but your spouse should be changing too. And you should be welcoming those changes together. This is when the marriage falls apart is when one person suddenly changes and goes, you know, I think it's time for me now. I raise my kids. I'm, I want to go out and do these things. I want to maybe travel the world, maybe start a new career. <laughs> 
If your spouse is not in agreement with that and they just want you to sit at home and knit and sit sit at home and cook them dinner and and uh, do those kind of old-fashioned things, and you're kind of like, well, yeah, I'll do that too, but there's other things I want to do. And they're like, nope, don't want you to do that. I want you to be the same person that I married. That's not going to work. Now you know why a lot of marriages after 30 years, you go, what happened? 30 years, what happened? They haven't communicated in the last 10. I can guarantee you that because it takes work. So I don't mean, oh, it's work to, <laughs> to be in a marriage. It's not work to be in a marriage. It's a joy to be in a marriage that you with someone you absolutely love being around. Mike is my very best friend. Let me just throw that right out there. Mike is the person I go to for everything. We tell each other everything, and I mean everything. We talk about so many things. We never run out of things to talk about. Our communication is spot on. But I will tell you, we are not the same people that we were when we got married at the ages we got married. He was younger. (laughs) I'm not going to tell you the ages we were. But Mike is eight years younger than me. And mentally, he was probably more mature than any adult man that I had dated up until that point. People actually used to tease us and be like, what are you doing with that cute little boy? And I'm like, that cute little boy is more of a man than anyone I've ever met. And that has held true to this day. Mike is someone that I can count on. And so it's something you need to ask yourself, will this person, man or woman, if you're a guy listening, think of it on the opposite side, will this person be beside me through those vows? Will they be beside me? through richer or poorer, in sickness and in health? Will they be beside me for better, for worse? Are you sure? You better be sure when you say those vows because every marriage goes through a lot and you have to constantly work at it. So you cannot wing a marriage. (laughs) You have to work at a marriage. It's not hard work. It's just being aware A long time ago when I used to watch Dr. Phil, I remember him saying something that was so impactful to me. He said, what do you do? He was talking to couples that were, you know, fighting or whatever. And he said, what do you do when you wake up in the morning? Do you think about what can I do to make my spouse's life happier? Or do you just wake up for yourself? Because if you're not thinking of the other person, then you've, you've missed out. Michael leave like little post-it notes in my car, like occasionally he'll bring home flowers, like he'll just do these little things because he's thinking of me during the day. Same with me. If I know that um, he's going to have a super busy day, one of the things that he love, love, loves is he just loves a spotless kitchen. I don't know what it is about that guy. And if it's not spotless when he gets home, he'll clean it himself. Like he's not above, you know, he's not saying like, you need to clean the kitchen. It's like, no, he'll be like, he'll just get in there and start doing it. I'm like, honey, you don't need to clean the kitchen. He's like, it's fine. You've had a hard day. It's okay. He'll get in there, he'll clean and it makes him feel better. So if I know he's having a really rough day or a busy day, I'm like, oh, let me get the kitchen in order. Let me set the table. Let me get dinner like kind of prepared. So he comes home, he works out and then we have dinner. So I'll get everything prepared or I'll start cooking it. So it's done by the time he gets done with his exercise. 
and he is a happy man. It's like, if he doesn't have to think about what he has to eat and it's such an old fashioned thing. And I know like a lot of people can't do that. Like women that are, I'm home now. So like I work from home. I don't need to rush home and try to get dinner served or whatever, but it's the fact of thinking about them. So maybe you're a working mom and you're like, I'm going to go grab something at the deli or, you know, some, one of our favorite restaurants and bring it home and you put it on pretty plates and you just have a nice dinner with them. You know, those kind of things mean a lot. Maybe, uh, he has a favorite drink that you could have for him. Maybe he has a certain, um, book that he likes to read or a program on TV. Like there's certain things that Mike and I love to do as a couple, that just uh, feed us together. And I think that's the point is what do you do together that is just something that shows them that you're thinking of them. I know couples that, you know, the guy will make his wife breakfast in bed on the weekends because they're both home. And it's such a special thing for her because he knows her favorite foods, you know, those kind of things. Do you really know your spouse? Like that's really what it comes down to is, what do they like? What do what what are the things that bring them happiness and can you bring that to the table? So you want to make sure that you know you're building these firm foundations that you're building this love that lasts forever that this person is your person. There was a quote that I put on Instagram that said your partner should compliment you, not complete you. So some of you are younger, you may not have heard of the Jerry Maguire movie. It was with Tom Cruise. Watch it if you want. It's kind of cheesy. But there was a part where he said, you or she she said, uh, it was Renee Zellweger, and she said, you complete me. One of them said it. I can't remember which one. You complete me. And it was this love story. And I thought, no, because that's taking away. Like, you were already whole. You're not a half a person without somebody else. You're a whole person. He's a whole person. You come together and you complement each other. You don't complete each other. Because also, here's the other sad thing, is like, you may be married for 60 years, but eventually one of you is going to be gone. Like, I know that's harsh, but it's the truth. Like, somebody's going to be gone and you're going to have to be by yourself. Or I've had friends that have become widows at a very young age and you know, there's no guarantee of how long your marriage lasts. So you have to be prepared to know you can't, it's not like you're going to say, I can never live without him. It's like, do you want to live without him? No, never. But can you live without him? You should be able to, you should be able to know that, you know, there is more, there's more than this life. You will see him again. This is all harsh and it's very crazy and I'm going off on a tangent, so I'll stop there. But, you know, it's like, just make sure he he compliments you. Don't think somebody, don't think less of yourself. Just make sure that the person that you want to marry and that you're falling in love with is someone that compliments you. Make sure that you're in a good headspace where you are complete for yourself that you have all the love for yourself that you need. Don't hook your train on somebody else's to think that they're going to complete you. That's never going to happen. That's what I tried in my first marriage. It was like, if this person loves me enough, then I'm going to love myself and we're going to be happy. No, that doesn't work out. It, it was horrible. It was tragic. <laughs> it just was not a good idea. And I would never recommend that. 
don't think because you're a certain age, you have to rush to the altar. I hate that when girls are just like, I'm 25. I mean, The Bachelor is the perfect show for this, right? Because these girls are young, they're in their 20s. And they're like, Oh, my gosh, why does this always happen? I'm never going to get a guy to love me. And I'm like, girl, this is what you do in your 20s. I've said this before. I told my daughters, your 20s are your crying years. It's what you do wrong. And then you finally get out of it and you go, okay, now I got it. (laughs) Now I know who I am, what I want, what I don't want. Sadly, you have to kind of kiss a bunch of frogs to find that out. But don't like think that there's this time limit that you have to walk down the aisle and that the marriage, the the wedding is beautiful. So therefore the marriage is going to be beautiful. Listen, you can have the most down-home wedding and be miserable or happy, and you can have the most glamorous wedding and be miserable or happy. It has nothing to do with the wedding, the wedding dress, none of that stuff. You better think about the vows because the marriage is a thing that lasts forever. The wedding lasts for a day. So yes, you look beautiful. Throw it up on Instagram. Show everybody your ring. Like I crack up because all these girls, you know, my girls included, throw, throw their ring up on Instagram and they have, they have actual engagement photos and it's like a whole photo shoot. It's just, it's like glam day, you know? And it, for us, it was just like, we're engaged whoever we saw. (laughs) We'd flash our ring around. We're engaged. Woo. And everyone makes a really big deal about that. And that's, it should be a time of celebration. But my whole thing is like, make sure you're putting that much effort into your marriage vows and what the marriage is going to look like. Because if it's just a photo shoot for you, you're in for a big surprise. (laughs) One of the last things I want to talk about is how kids can get in the way of your marriage. And that is something once you, you know, start having children, it's something that I did horribly when the kids were little, because I didn't have a mom. I held on really tight to my kids and I was not trusting of other people because I had been hurt by other babysitters that my mom left me with. And so I didn't really take up a lot of babysitting advice uh, or suggestions from other people like, oh, so-and-so could watch your kids. I would do it once in a while. And especially if the kids got to be a certain age and they're like, eh, she was okay. She was on her phone a lot. I'm like, well, nope, she's done. Like, we're not going to use her again. And there was a big trust factor there. So a lot of times I just wanted to stay home or we would take the girls with us on a date night. I would not recommend that, although it's sweet. You know, Mike is such a lovey. He's like, he has girls. And so every Valentine's, he's like, can we bring the girls, please, to our dinner? I'm like, okay. I should have said no, because honestly, there was some times where I was like, well, this isn't romantic. (laughs) This isn't nurturing our relationship. So that's the one thing I want to say about having kids is you have to do the date nights. I used to make fun of people doing date nights. I was like, we don't do date nights. That's stupid. Blah, blah, blah. Just, I was in, I was negative ninny. And I just thought people were being ridiculous. Like you just need to be home with your children. I was wrong. (laughs) I was wrong. I will admit that on here. I was wrong. You do not need to be with your children 24-7, and you shouldn't be with your children 24-7. If you want to nurture and work at your marriage, actually, you need to do a date night at least once a month, and you should be going away somewhere with your husband overnight or for a weekend and let someone take care of your kids. And of course, I'm saying this like once the kids are at an age where they're comfortable, if you have grandma, grandpas, like we do that with our grandkids. We'll tell, you know, our kids like, just go, go overnight somewhere or 
go away for the weekend. They actually went to Hawaii, I think, last year for their anniversary. They were gone for a week. And so Auntie Dom and I came down and we watched the kids and took them to school. And they loved it because they were at home and they felt comfortable with us. So absolutely, you know, you want to make sure the kids are comfortable with who they're with. But don't use it as an excuse. Don't use your children as an excuse to not work on your marriage because that is the thing that happens is after... 20 years of a marriage, 30 years of a marriage, you haven't dated each other, you don't like each other, you don't talk to each other, you don't go away with each other, you're not having sex, yes, I'm going to say that, you're not being romantic, and then all of a sudden, you're like, the kids are gone, and you're looking across the room, and you're like, this person is a stranger to me, I don't even know who this person is, so really be cautious of that. That's something that I really had to work on as the kids got older. I thought I'm being ridiculous. Like I need to pour into this marriage or it's not going to work. Like we're going to, we started doing a lot of things, just getting busy and doing things separately. And, um, it just got to a point where I was like, wait, I, I really need to nurture this relationship. And, And then when our kids left, when the final kid left and we were actual empty nesters, that's another change in your life. You don't have the kids as a buffer coming in. And so if you can't look across the table, and this is something I tell all the young girls, if you cannot look across the table at the kitchen table and look at that husband as and smile and say, that's my bud right there. That's my best friend. If you can't do that after 20 years, 10 years, five years, especially 30 years, it's not going to make it. You're not going to, when the kids are gone, you're going to look across the table and be like, I don't even know who this person is. I don't even like this person. I haven't even been with this person in so long romantically. I don't think I want to be with him anymore. And that's what happens. So nurture that relationship. Your marriage isn't for a season. It's forever. It should be forever. And I will preface that by saying, if it's not a good marriage from the beginning and they're You're the only one that can decide that. I am not advocating staying in a marriage no matter what. You know, if you know me, you know that. I am not about that. I think that there are some marriages that are absolutely horrible. The woman is not safe. She shouldn't be in that marriage. And it's not just physical abuse. There's some marriages that are emotionally dysfunctional to the T. And I do not recommend them staying in that marriage. And so I say, leave that marriage figure out your life, and then then you will know when the time is right to do it again. God has blessed me with two marriages. He has blessed me with two men that have been supportive of me. And so I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the lessons that I learned in the first marriage. And I'm grateful for God giving me an opportunity to do a second marriage right. And I will tell you, we have made so many mistakes along the way, but we've done it together. And so just some last things to think about. If you are engaged or dating, are you having hard conversations before you walk down the aisle? I hope you are. And what kind of things can you implement into your marriage starting today that will bring you closer together? Do you check in with each other weekly to make sure that you're both okay? Is there somewhere or something that needs nurturing or or a listening ear, just something you don't need to fix, but just be there for your spouse. What can you do each morning to make your spouse happy at the end of the day? There are certain things that only you know as a couple that you know will bring a smile to their face. 
be about that. And do you guys pray together and have good moral values that are equal so your house can stand on firm ground when troubles come? Because troubles will come. You're going to go through a lot of, you're going to go through deaths during the life of your marriage. You're going to go through other people getting divorced. You're going to go through financial struggles, uh, children issues, teen issues. You're going to go through the gamut. And so do you have a good moral ground, a good firm foundation to stand on the truth of what you believe in and what your family believes in? And do your kids know that? That's super important. Well, that is all I have to say. Obviously, I'm not an expert on marriage. I'm just letting you know what has worked and not worked in my two marriages. I, again, honey, I love you. <laughs> Sorry if I shared too much, um, but I, again, because he is a supporter of me, he supports everything I do, and I so appreciate him. And so I want to just shout out to Mike. You're my best friend. I love you, and I will see you later. And peeps, I will see you next time. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. If you want to get connected with other women who share your unmothered heart, head on over to my private Unmothered Facebook community group. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review for this podcast to help me share this message with other listeners. All the links mentioned in today's episode will be in the show notes below. Bye, peeps.